Hey guys, what's up people and welcome back to the Over in 80 Minutes podcast. It's me, Sam Matthews. Joining me and my guest today is a sports journalist, all-round journalist, current BBC summer editor-director, all-round good guy, Matt Hardy. Matt, welcome to the podcast. How are you, mate? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Mate, good. Glad for having you on. You're officially the non first non-rugby playing guest on the Over in 80 Minutes podcast. Yes. I'm so you're keeping, tr- yeah. you're keeping true to my mantra when I promised it wasn't going to be just rugby and then I've just had rugby guests to start it off because they were all I mean, people I could, I could call favours in for. I could give it a go if you like. <laughs> it can't be any worse than me. I come from rural I come from rural Scotland where if you can catch you're in the national team and you've got 50 caps at your disposal. <laughs> so mate, first things first, how was the cricket on Saturday? Cheeky second test up at Edgebaston. Um, it was good. The bits I can remember were good. It was it was quite a long night. Um. Yeah, well, we were in Eric Hollis' stand. It's a famous, globally known stand. And I tell you what, they, they've got some perseverance from about 10 in the morning to, to 6, 7 o'clock, continuous shouting, running, beer snakes, you know, people dressed as COVID, people dressed as doctors. And because it was one of those test events, there was 18,000 people there. So it was really, really good atmosphere. I mean, England weren't very good, but it was a really good laugh. We had a great, we had a great, great day. Mate, that's fine. If I was there, I wouldn't have even noticed cricket was being played. At some point, I would have gone like, hey, there's something going on in there. We should try and watch that. <laughs> well, I think we all forgot at some point. But no, it was really, really good. Um, and, and the Kiwis took the banter really well. Um, but, but, you know, I, I always sit there and wonder how players, whether they like crowds, whether they don't like crowds that are loud and, loud and you know, very bantery. But, but cricket offers that, especially Edgebaston. And I, I think it's the best ground in, uh, in England, really. I need to do a tour. I'm from, obviously I'm from Birmingham and I was telling you before we came on, I've never had a day out of the cricket. So next time we can get down there, I'll definitely be sending you an invite. I, th- I think I've got a few spare tickets for finals day. So maybe you can grab one of them. Mate, I tell you what, I'll buy one off you just, just for <laughs> something to do. I'll come down. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, they're, that's great. That's a great day out as well. That's, that's uh, Edge Baston, but it's the whole ground being absolutely balmy rather than just one stand. <laughs> <laughs> did you see him on the talk of uh, bear snakes? Did you see it was it was like very much like a couple of hours ago? One of the baseball games last night in America tried to do a bear snake to combat Edge Baston, and I think it was literally like six people long, and they were thinking like, as you know, American commentators are like, "Oh my god, it's the best thing since sliced bread!" Like the second coming of Jesus has taken place. Well, and, I, it just, and, it, and it was just all these cricket fans underneath going, I think we had that racked up before they opened the gates and stuff like that. Well, I'll tell you what, we went Sunday as well. We had tickets for Sunday. That lasted an hour. Um, but because everyone went there knowing it was only going to last an hour, we had a beer snake um, from the bottom of the stand to the top and halfway back down again by half 10, 11 o'clock. So oh, I, I, I don't know how they did it. Your Instagram. I don't like who drinks that. You know, when it was, you know, when Ed Boris went on about, oh, we've got to drink 40 pints each for us to recover Britain's economy. I reckon Edge Bastard have just done half the work for everyone. <laughs> we gave it a really good go. The best of it is, is people, people get lured in. They think, oh, this is really good fun. Like one of the friends I went with, he goes, oh, that's good fun. I'll go and put our 20 pints on there. And then everyone, you know, you walk towards the snake and everyone's going, whoa. And then when you stick it in, everyone yeah. cheers. But then what he forgot to realise is that now that he's stuck it in, he's part of the snake. So for the next hour, he stood there like yeah, this. Stood there like that, waiting for something to bring some fights. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he instantly regretted it. But when you're not part of it, it's, gr- it's great to watch. I know. I'd, I'd be keeping it right to the end and just like five minutes before, like already like, yeah, game's gone. Just chuck them on. But I'm yeah. on that for 10 minutes. Yeah, well, it was, it was really good fun. I think when on, on the on the Sunday, they showed the football there as well. And when the uh, um, well, the New Zealand team came out to say thanks to some of the fans, all the England fans started chatting, you'll never win the Euros, that kind of thing. It was just a really good atmosphere, but but I suppose you get that in cricket. And 
for the amount of alcohol that was drunk, I don't think there was a single you know incident in that stand at all. So that's that's what you want, isn't it, really? Yeah, exactly. Any sport where you can drink and everybody's your mate, not your not your rival. Yeah. That's the best one. Yeah, for sure. Right, mate. I want to get to know about what you do because I'm really excited. Because I know, as I mentioned to you when I asked you to come on, I know literally nothing about sports journalism. All I know is you get a tough rap on social media every time you give your opinion. So, so mate, how did yeah. you get into sport? How did you get into journalism and then sports journalism? Is this like um, a thing that stemmed from a young age, or was it like did it come about a different way? Well, well, kind of. I, I'm quite a sporty family. My sister um, ran for ran for Wales. Yeah, she chose Wales or England. Well, she ran for England and Wales. Um, age grade athletics um, sprinter um, my pair and both of my parents were very very good at sport when they were younger so I, it's very sporty family um, mm -hmm. growing up in Gloucester when when a sport is literally like the city religion it's a bit like uh, Cologne in Germany with football they you kind of like worship the worship the sport yeah. you kind of can't get away from it um, but I but I was never good at writing at school I was, I was a maths lad and and then one of my teachers was like well why don't you try broadcasting why don't you try and do film and that kind of thing and then I found um feature writing I've always hated doing match reports if I can help it but I found feature writing and I found profiles and, and talking about things other than um you know what how well the player played at the weekend for example um and then on the off chance I sent the, the then media manager at Gloucester Duncan Wood who's a who's a really good guy he's not there anymore um an email at the age of, I think 16 um, mm -hmm. And he bypassed all the regulations and, and and got me in three or four times that season, and it kind of started from there. Oh, mate, that's class! It's nice. It's nice when you hear stories like that of like people like aiding the like you say like guys that are quite high up going, we'll chuck it down. It's like you see yeah. stories like that come around all the time. Like I saw a story on a person like a personal account the other day. Uh, some some girl that was a few years below me. She wrote her degree or she wrote her um, forgotten the word. What's it called dissertation? She wrote a dissertation on Gymshark. And then, yeah. then uh, Ben Francis invited her down for the day and stuff like that. And like, yeah, it's when you see stuff like that, it was really nice to see. Yeah, no, he was he was absolutely brilliant, brilliant. And there was a guy with him there, Tom Tom Burrows. He's also left, but they were also always so so helpful, and they gave me every chance possible. And and that basically was the thing that got me into into uni. So because they saw that I was, I was trying to do something new, and and so I've, I've kind of got a lot to thank for. For, for those two really also I've, I've got my old DT teachers the stadium announcer there um, and he does BBC Gloucestershire so we always used to put in a nice word so it's it's always nice it's it, I hate saying that it's about who you know but it is about who you know I'm oh, just man, lucky it, enough it to have been is. one of the few that went to a state school and still got the same chances as so many others that that usually get them chances at private schools or or independent schools really I oh, know, mate. I know exactly what you mean. This podcast wouldn't be a thing if it wasn't for people knowing people and yeah. calling in, calling in on eight-year-old favors. But it's exactly <laughs> what it is. Like it's the thing. It's like you'll you'll repay the favor. Like if somebody comes to you in six years, say Duncan, or somebody comes to you in six years, going, "My son's doing this or this," you'll be like, "Absolutely, mate. I'll help you out." Second to none. I'd a hundred percent try and be. You know, when I was at same as at uni, you had those people that would go out of their way to help you out. I hope that in ten years, if I'm doing something, anyone ever finds interesting that. I'll be the same to somebody else and, and so on because because you know if, if you shut up shop after someone opened it for you then that's that's just not on is it really no i mean exactly well it's, you do that already because for example like you sent me because me and you got in touch obviously both blokes ambassadors and then obviously me and you got in touch and i sent you sent me that through uh your, your it was almost your dissertation type yeah um it was your dissertation type article and it was it was brilliant it was a really good read well i'm gonna get into that that's on my list of things to talk about later that's a really great article yeah and that's the thing it's about i think about helping people out i mean that that project there 
um, I mean, you had to, I, I know I'll, I'll leave it to have to talk about it later, but I had help on that from people that we, I, I had to design that around a, a, a existing publication. And the editor literally went, this is the font we use. This is what we do. Go ahead. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, like, it's stuff like that. It's like things you can, it's like you said, it's like it's the more you learn, it's more people, you know, but it's the things you learn from people already in the business rather than things you learn from people that have gone, here's the tried and trusted way. And you're going to sit in this classroom for 45 minutes. And by the end of it, you're going to know exactly what to do. Yeah, for sure. I've, I've, I've been in a press room once or twice and, um, you know, I, I asked, I, I've asked someone for, for a bit of help, you know, how do you ask this without asking it this way? And, and they instantly go, right, just say this, uh, cite what happened in the game. She'll give your reasoning and that this kind of thing. So people tend to be helpful. You do get the ones that aren't, um, but generally that, that's pretty minority based. Mm -hmm. no, you, uh, yeah, it's like you say, it's just a case of like, everybody wants each other to succeed as you should. <laughs> There's a big 50 inch TV here. I can't help but look up. It's still 2 1. Still 2 1. <laughs> the sweepstakes are going strong. So that's all that matters. Yeah. I, I mean, I got France. So I'm, I'm not moaning at all. <laughs> mate, honestly, I've, I'm so lucky. Mate, we only had like 10 people in our sweepstakes. So everybody got like two shots. And I still drew Finland and Poland. And I, I don't think I could have got a worse too. No, I, 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 got, I got France. And I'm, I'm happy with that. <laughs> um, it, it was them or Belgium I really wanted, but but yeah. Uh, uh, I, I don't trust Belgium. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, advice to a budding journalist: You've got some, as we've just said, some kid comes up to you and goes, "Mate, I've seen your, I've seen your articles. I've seen you on the Over in Eight Minutes podcast. The millions have seen it. I want to get into sports journalism. Who do I contact? What's what subject do I look into? How do I get about it?" Um, there, there's literally one piece where a few people have asked me this when I was at uni and they were in, in lower years. It's literally don't be afraid of no. Learn that no is a is a fine answer and that you're going to get it a lot because once you learn you're going to get it a lot. It stops hurting, you know, job applications or interview requests or can you help me out on this? No, I'm a bit busy at the moment. Uh, can you come back in a few weeks? It's, it's just that, that persistence of getting over no being a bad thing and actually being, okay, fine, you can't help me, who can? Um, but other than that, it's just about doing your research, find something you love, um, but then broaden it. So the first thing I was taught, I really wanted to be a rugby journalist. Um, I'm not sure that's exactly what I want to do anymore. Um, I'm, I'm more into the digital kind of long form feature side. But um, the first thing I was told was don't just look at rugby. So yeah. people always want to be a rugby, cricket or football journalist. Um, but you need to know a little bit about everything. My my sports teacher said, I always wanted to be a horse racing journalist. I was lucky enough to be one for three years, but then I moved to Reuters and I, I haven't touched it since. He goes, you know, I've, mm. I've, I've, I've done other stuff. Occasionally I go back and he, he's at the Olympics and one day he's doing water polo and the other day he's doing judo. He's, he's, he's just getting your head around the basics of, of lots of things. So it, I think that's the same with any kind of journalism, really. You know, if you want to be a movie um you know, critic, it might also be worth being a theatre critic or, or learning this, that and the other, because it's, it's very difficult to walk into your dream job straight out of uni or straight out of school. Yeah, I get, I get you. It's like, um, it's like how when most teachers tell you, it's like you've got to have more than one string to your bow. Like is, there's no good being yeah. good at just one thing. Yeah. And, and, the, might not be there. yeah. <laughs> and the other thing is finding a path that, that suits you. So there's a brilliant journalist at um, Times Radio called Matt Chorley. Um, mm -hmm. he, he helped me out whenever I needed something to do with politics, you know, um, and he was at the Times then as, as a red box editor, I think they had their morning um, email. He'd, um, 
he'd go, yep, yeah, come on into to Westminster. I'll give you what you need. And he was always really helpful. He didn't go to uni. He started at a local paper and worked his way up that way. So it's about finding what works for you. Some people don't don't like the assignment. Some people prefer going straight into it. And some of the best reporters you'll see, and this is reflected in a lot of um, a lot of scholarships and stuff that local newspapers are offering. They'll walk into a newspaper at 16 or 18, learn on the job, get to 20 and do a qualification paid for by the paper. And they're some of the best journalists they know because they know their patch. They know everything they need to know about where they are. Um, and they make some of the best broadcast journalists later on. Yeah, I, th I think you make a great point. I think that in general as well, the whole getting a job and getting a modern apprenticeship, I think that speaks volumes because, I mean, I know I say it like I'm really old. I'm only 24. You're only 21. <laughs> so, yeah. but we talk, but we talk about it like we're a while ago. But so I remember when I was going through school, the whole of everything was you've got to go to uni, you've got to get a degree, you've got to go do yeah. whatever it is you've got to do. And I think that's like I think it's for younger people who might happen to be listening to this. I really don't think that is the be all and end all. I think modern apprenticeships are you can yeah. have such a like you say it can if it's something you know you want to do or even if it's just of. I don't want to spend another four years not making money. The the advert for a modern apprenticeship yeah. is huge. I, I had a really good head of sixth form when I was at uh, secondary school and she kind of made, she kind of forced everyone into doing what they wanted to do rather than what they were told to do. She'd ring up parents and go, look, I know you want him to go to uni, but this is this, this way he could earn this much money and be doing this by the time he's left uni, et cetera. Um, mm -hmm. And she invited me back a while ago to chat to some students. She's no longer head of, sixth form there but she's a media teacher and the first thing I said was don't go to uni because someone else tells you to it for, for a lot of people being persuaded into going to uni is the best thing that ever happens to them but also yeah. what's the point in going if you drop out after six months because you really you've always known you're going to hate it mm -hmm. yeah no I completely agree I think so yeah I was quite unfortunate so where like our schools are always in a fiercely like competitive race you know the ranking race yeah and you know and you you'll know yourself how they're so they're so biased towards how many kids go to uni equal yeah. how good the school is and it's not the case so I don't like I don't blame the teachers for sending encouraging kids to go to uni I completely get that they're based on merit and statistics but I think it's it's like you said it's a case of just doing your own knowledge and just going if I'm gonna hate this and I know I'm gonna hate this there's no point going here for six months to spend the money and then go yeah. oh well I'm going yeah, especially especially when there are schools in. Um, I've got some friends that went to the likes of Fetties up in Scotland, who you know they're paying for their tuition, and then there's even more pressure on the on the school to do to do oh, stuff yeah. there. You know, so I'm I'm happy to have gone to a gone to a state school, been given the option to do what I do, and and found some like a niche that I really like. Really, <laughs> you want to know something? Funny? Do you know like this is how this is how like public school I was. Like I didn't know Fetties was a school until I was nineteen. Because oh. I just never came, I never came into contact with it. I never knew. It was I, I, di I didn't know either. There, there's a, and there was a few. There's a few others I can't think of now. Um, that a few people oh. that I went to uni with went went to, and it's just a different world. It's, I mean, I, I, we used to look up our schools on Google Maps, and we used to look at fetties and think, you know, I, and I, Wait, when I, when I, when, when I went to you, uni, if you, ever, if you ever want to see the best school you'll ever see when you get off this, Shawnigan Lake School in Canada. It's on Victoria Island, right? We had them as um we got to go there for our summer rugby tour, and then we had them as billets. Like so, they came and we hosted them. Yeah. And obviously, like, I like I live. I'm staying at home, mum and dad, while I say from one house. But like we live in quite a nice house, and we went there. And their canteen is basically just a hollowed out house, like a hollowed out ten bedroom house. And it's I was crazy, like, there's just levels to this. Oh, the, the, yeah, rugby, I... the rugby pitch. Like I'm completely off topic, but the rugby pitch is the most beautiful 
like high school musical Walt Disney thing you've ever seen, like yeah. beautiful one millimeter grass with a big clubhouse that comes out on a like, on a rail and this beautiful pristine pitch. And uh, you've got amazing. these under sixteen year olds that can't chuck three passes together running around on it. <laughs> no, that's amazing. But it's, it's that whole it's a different world, isn't it? I mean, you look at my school on, on Google, it, it really wasn't it still isn't anything special, but but you know I'm I'm happy I've I've gone there, I've made lifelong friends from that school. So yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change it for the world. No, I, I, look not at, at all. I look at you. Look at the private schools. You hear the stories, and you think, oh, it's not for me." No. Well, so, some of the state school teachers change you, don't they? They're the ones that inspire you so much because because they kind yeah. of have to be invested in the kids. Yeah, especially especially the ones where it's like, it's not a case of. I I really benefited from that old style of teaching or the, the teaching you hear about where it's like, if you're misbehaving, he just pulls it aside and just goes, "Stop being a dick." But yeah. you, you yeah. benefit so much more from that than here's your 20 lines and let's sit down and discuss why you feel the way you are and just your teacher goes you're just being a dick and yeah, yeah i mean i, I mean my 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 a level teacher she used to take banter really well and she used to give it out as well and her philosophy was was kind of i'm going to set you three essays a week i don't expect you to do three a week i'm just pick and choose the ones you want because but every single one you do i'll mark and she found a correlation that the people that did the most or asked her for help the most got the best grade. So she was a very hands-off teacher because at sixth form she wanted to put the responsibility on you being an adult. And I think those kind of those kind of lessons set you up really well. No, I and it's, you remember these teachers as well, like you said. You'll never like, yeah. you'll never forget your head of sixth form. And like we have our like I remember my uh, graphic design teacher. Oh, I remember I remember even better uh, my my craft and design teacher because the what they used to call in the department was they used to call so you know you had your four technical subjects you had like product yeah. design graph com engineering and craft and design and oh yeah we, we also had cooking <laughs> oh we we had home economics we called that like home economics is cooking but we had that and our teacher used to walk around and he always used to shout down the corridor he was like he always used to, they always used to call it as the in joke of craft and daft because it was a daft physically craft and design. <laughs> so you'd have the, you'd have the teacher. I've probably just cost some guy's job, but <laughs> the teacher used to walk down going, right, craft and daft line up against the wall, and then like you know, all the kids like smiling and grinning would line up against yeah. the wall. And I was like, yeah. But as I say, my 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 DT teachers worked at BBC Gloucestershire, and he does the stadium announcing it at King's Home now. So you know, sadly, the 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 recent ones ones died now, but um. You know, I, I used to see him in the in the press room and he used to tell everyone that how much of a shit I was at school. But oh. it's a nice, nice little thing, you know. He always says hello and he goes, Oh, you know, I remember you you were making clocks was never your thing, like you know, that kind of thing. But but yeah, it's it's you know, they, they, those people change you, don't they? Uh, my my PE teacher was the same. Like God, he was he was so funny. And he used to say, because I used to ask him for references a lot for stuff like that. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I'm convinced he's the only reason I've got anywhere because he just writes this. And he goes, every time I write him a reference, he goes, if you really don't want the job, get me to write you a reference. And then I'll be like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a really, I, one of my references for, for uni was from that teacher. And, and, and they thought, well, she sounds completely crazy. But everything she said is is amazing. You know, she puts Caesar quotes in and all this stuff. And <laughs> crazy, absolute crazy woman. My teacher, my teacher just used to laugh. He goes, "I reckon I could throw you out of a plane, and you'd still land on a trampoline or something like that." He was, I was that kind of lucky. <laughs> I saw that bloke the other day that jumped out of a, a plane without a parachute. Did you see that? No, something what's like that? six six thousand meters, and he landed yeah. in a trampoline like a big net. I thought, <laughs> no chance. No, I'm not. No, thank you. No, that sounds, that sounds like something you'd watch on like extreme sports TV when you were like fourteen. Yeah, it's, remember like no, Travis Pastrana people like that. Yeah, not for me. Never. 
Wait a minute, talk to me about Department of Journalism at City Uni London. What's this all about? I want to know about this. Well, it's, it's quite funny, really, because as we went, it, it always, it still is, I suppose. It's always been known as the as the Oxbridge of journalism. Um, <laughs> so it's always been known as the place to go. But you, know, yeah. you go there and it's nowhere near the top of the rankings. and You're not entirely sure why it's it's probably just on its name, which, you know, I had a great, great course, great teachers, um, very obviously politically aligned teachers, which was fun because you knew what not to write with them, but they probably shouldn't express yeah. their views so much. Um, no, it's a, it a really good department overall. Um, they taught us bits and bobs. Um, they, they, they taught you, you know, how to be a journalist, not just what one was. Um, and there was, it was very hands off. So it was very much like, well, OK, well, it's three days a week. Obviously, they're all they all just mince the money out of you. Um, <laughs> but you had two full days of being a journalist, which was how they spun making it sound like a full-time course. That's how they spun four-day weekends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we used to have a news day every Friday or uh, of the last term where you're in at nine, you have to put a programme together, whether it's th a three-hour radio programme or an hour-long television programme. Um, you've got to get news. You've got to get, you've got to get interviews on the day. You can't prep. So it's that kind of thing, um, yeah. which, as I think many journalists would know, is not how actual journalism is. But I suppose if they throw you in at the deep end, um, I suppose that's that's the best way. But the be the reason I went there over the likes of Cardiff was purely because of where it was um, and the access to other things I had there. So I was always in Westminster, always at London Assembly, always at Twickenham, um, trying to find little bits to do, trying to find people to meet, always out having work drinks and stuff like that. So it's all about, I, I went there and I, I left with a book. I mean, I left with a book maybe that thick of contacts of just, you know, numbers of people who work at all these places, people that work for MPs, people that work for certain ministries, you know, like defence and, and all of this stuff. Um, and, and I suppose that's 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 great. And I, I don't want to go into political journalism. It's it's a I feel like it's a little bit sleazy. Um, oh, no, but, mate, it's such a, such a nice, easy time. Everybody will be so on board with your opinion, regardless well, of what you say. It's, it's not the opinion. It's just... I just so many weird experiences like you hear all these bullying allegations you hear all these these things going on in parliament and I'm, I'm not saying you see it all the time but you can see a lot of where it stems from yeah um you know there used to be certain pub i think there still are there used to be certain pubs that you'd go to to find certain types of people whether they were bloggers or journalists or or tories or or labor liberals the students all the think tanks used to be in one pub mm -hmm. um and then there was you know a big piano bar which was always great fun um i think I think a few few times I've, I saw um, uh, Kelly Brown there singing Sweet Caroline, and you know some really bizarre <laughs> bizarre piano bar at three in the morning. After oh. I'll send you that video. But um, I mean, the, the stories Kelly Brown like you hear you hear Kelly Brown's name appear in such weird circles. Like I've, I've never, I think I met the guy when I was like fourteen. He wouldn't remember me to this day. No, but we've got him. Um, me neither. Like, <laughs> Mate, producer Sean, he, he's best friends with Happiness is Egg Shape Bruce, and they get on like a house on fire, Bruce and Kelly. So yeah, I'm sure it's, I'm sure Sean yeah. will be going. You've got to ask Kelly about this next yeah. time you have him on your podcast. For sure, but but that's why I went there. It was the it was the who you can meet. I was always at Twickenham. Some people were very kind to me and and helped me um, get a press pass, helped me do this, that, and the other. Um, so I I you know that that's why I went there and. And, and to this day, I'm thankful to all of those people, even the ones that I don't talk to much anymore. Um, there's always there's always good people out there who, if I re I think if I really really needed some help, they'd probably help me out. They might not, but they might. <laughs> everybody like everybody would help out. Like, yeah, I I only don't help out if I can. That's the way I look at it. And yeah, you, you still try to put them in touch with somebody who can. Yeah.
But that's the other thing you've got to learn is there there will be you will fall out with people. It's it's like real life. Journalism is like a life within a life. You are going to fall out with people. Some people are really not going to like you. Some people will really like you, and the best kind of people are the ones that let it go. Um, mm-hmm. But then also you've got to respect that people feel away and and move on. That's not yeah. to say I've I've annoyed everyone in the world, but <laughs> you know. We, we all annoy people. This podcast will never yeah. see the light of day because you'll say something in the next two weeks. No, so. no, no. no. We, we, we all annoy people, don't we? And, and people annoy you, and it's the way of life. But, but I'm, I'm sure. I'm if, sure if, you, if you get on with, if you get on with everybody, you're doing something wrong. That's the way I was always looked at. It. Exactly. exactly. No, I, I remember being in a, in a press room when I, I will not. I've got to be careful not to name names now. Um, and a, I'll, I'll, I'll bleep them if you do. Don't no, worry. it's all right. And, 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 and it was quite funny because there was a press conference and a journalist didn't ask. Um, a question because he didn't need to he wasn't doing a piece for straight after he didn't need quotes um, and a head coach didn't like something he wrote in the week and afterwards after came up to him and kind of like had a little go at him for writing what he wrote and you know you, you get that and you, you kind of got to move on I, I presume they they either talk or they don't I probably you know I, I'm not sure but um, you know you get that and, and I think if, if you don't as you said if you don't get that you know you you can't be you know digging up something that needs to be spoken about yeah exactly like every every controversial topic has somebody that won't like it yeah for sure and even even non-controversial topics someone will find something wrong with it i mean we (laughs) see that a lot now people disagree with you for the sake of disagreeing with you oh yeah (laughs) mate i i we i for work we did a lions and early prediction team you see i left out i left out josh adams and i think every welshman i've ever known had thought that i'd just like spat on the flag Was 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 it first 15 yeah, yeah, first fifteen. Oh, see, I left out. I, I kept. I had Josh Adams in my my first fifteen, but uh-huh. I kept out Lewis Rizamit, which annoyed a lot of people, um, <laughs> including all the all the lads that I do rugby inside line with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everyone's going, "What? What are you?" Th-? And I'm a Gloucester fan as well, and I left mm-hmm. him out. Um, but you know, that's what I mean. Everyone's got an opinion. I I admit now that I don't think he will be left out, but I I don't know if I'd still start him. But you know. I, no, I think he's. I think he's there as like you're going to be playing in the next one, so we just want you to have the experience. Yeah, I, I, I actually think he'll start a test. I mean, um, I could see, I could see him starting the third one if God forbid we're two 0 down. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, potentially. <laughs> um, who's the ref? Yeah, we've got French ref for that one, so that yeah, probably he's a bit level headed, isn't he? But but we'll see. He might start and he might get hat trick. You know, we saw that with yeah. with young Habana back in the day. You know, he was absolutely incredible from a very young age. Johnny May's the same, you know. We we see that with young wingers these days. But he wouldn't have been in my fifteen. I my other one was um, uh, Van der Merwe. Good, you took so I, I did and, that. Yeah, I did. I did yeah. that in, just for Scottish batter. I was like, I'll just throw some cat. I'll throw a cat amongst the pigeons. Well, the first name, on, the first name on my list is Chris Harris. He's the he's the first name I put on my list. That's just close um, to them. <laughs> no, I, I no, I I think he's the best defensive thirteen in Britain at the moment and he's Ireland. Not. He's so, um, it was. I, I don't think he could have picked a better time as well because there was so much doubt. I don't know how much you see from it, but up here there was a real doubt in him. The consistency yeah. of Scottish centres. Yeah. And it was like, it was a real of, we have so many that are on the precipice of international, good international players, but there was nobody that stuck their hand up. And you're still and was, picking Hutchinson. He's in the Scotland squad as of today. As of today, he, he got he, brought in. Um, but, but, but that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. I, he was the first, not not because he, I'm a Gloucester fan, he's the best defensive 13 in Britain and Ireland. And I think if it was a tour to New Zealand or Australia, I don't think he'd start as my 13. But South Africa against Diolande and, and Am is their other centre. You need someone like him. 
Yeah, especially after sixty minutes when they bring on like Jesse Van Rensburg as well. Just another yeah, like, no, exactly, hundred percent. So I, I, it, I, I'm I'm quite good at being. In fact, if you ask many, loads of my friends, I'm I'm weirdly anti, not anti Gloucester, but I I'm very critical of them. I'm and oh, every, every, everybody's friends, the but... same. It's like it's like watching. We were, I was watching Scotland today. I don't think I spent the time not calling one of the players bad, and I was like, I support this team, and all I've done is insult them. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm, I seem to be quite critical of it. I don't know why, probably because I care so much. Um, you know, it goes as far as my dad telling me I'm not, I'm, I, I can't be classed as a fan anymore. Um, <laughs> but it's, I think it's because I care so much. Um, no, absolutely. I, if, no, if, it's one of those ones. If you, if you don't win, if you win two 0 you're like, we should have won three. We should have won. We should have been four. Yeah. Well, I, well, I think, well, I think my my it, it stem i think i've got some post-traumatic stress disorder because when i went to like 2000 i can't three or four um when gloucester topped the table by 20 odd points and it was the first year of playoffs and we mm -hmm. lost uh, we lost at twickenham and i cried all the way home and I, I don't think i've ever been happy since <laughs> you know I don't think I've ever said. <laughs> gloucester took my sporting life from me when i was when i was seven <laughs> Sporting life, just life. It's gone. Yeah, that was it. But, but, and then that's the thing. And, and me and my me that's, and all, my the, that's all the journalism is. It's just you penning down pain, just in the in the written work. Yeah. <laughs> the, the first article I ever wrote was was about Gloucester being a club stuck in purgatory, and I I actually, funnily enough, someone dug it up and went, "Is this you?" and full of spelling errors and all this stuff. And I reread it, and if you change the name of the coaches from the former ones to the ones who have just left, that article could be published today. I mean, it wouldn't get. It's a rubbish article, but it will get published today as as fact. Nothing has changed since I wrote that, um, and that's the first thing I ever wrote. You know, in my back garden as a little little lad or whatever. But um, it's why been, I hate Gloucester? <laughs> no, dear, dear Mister New York Times, can you publish this? What was it called? It was called um, I think Gloucester Rugby a Club in Purgatory? Question um, mark. And that's what it was. And then and then I actually wrote one like the week after about the rise of Georgian rugby. This was before the World Cup as well, and now look at them. So Matt, I um, think if journalism doesn't work, you should just become like a rugby scout and just go. I can predict where the teams are going to be in the next ten years. I'd love to be a rugby scout. I'd be rubbish at it, but I'd love to be a rugby scout. But but yeah, you know, I it's a lifelong pain. And me and my dad do an away trip every year if we can. I'd always make sure I have a free weekend. Um, we, I think when was it? Two years ago, went the last full season without COVID. We mm. did Gaul. We did Connaught. We did. Montpellier and Toulouse all in one year so we try and make time for them we always ask my mum and sister if they want to come and they always say no but we've done we've done La Rochelle we've done Bayonne we've done Zebra <laughs> sometimes <laughs> um, we you know we but we only we only go if Gloucester are playing we won't go just for the sake of being a neutral so we've done Munster a few a few times so we really we, we really enjoy doing that and and, would you, yeah, would you and, not do Would you not do a neutral sport? Say like, say oh, no, your dad, your dad, and the boys were like, "We've got six tickets to, I don't know, Stuttgart versus Bayern, yeah, uh, not Bayern no, because everybody no, goes to that. Like no, Stuttgart versus FC Clone, just where well, we'll go yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, um, yeah, but um, when when it's me and my dad, we try we try and do a Gloucester trip. So so this year we got our pools and and, and we thought COVID would ruin it anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but but you know we we penned in Leon and thought that'll be a great away trip. Dad did a rug my dad did a rugby tour there back in the back in the eighties or nineties. So you know um, we thought oh that'd be a great trip to visit and and obviously it, it hasn't happened. But but we do love doing them and we always make time for them. Um, 
I think that still shows I somehow in me somewhere there is there is Gloucester blood somewhere. <laughs> Mate, you're better than me. I I love so me and my like I think there's so much to be said for um like trips with your old man or you like or if you're like with your mum something like that. But like a trip like a family based trip can solve anything because I'm a massive motorsport fan. So like I love my rugby, but motorsport was always the first sport I ever loved. Like it was the I used to learn um. I used to learn languages and accents by reading the names like Mika Hakkinen in a Finnish accent. <laughs> That's how I got it. But yeah, so I look, so me and my old man go to the Le Mans 24 hours every year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, well, I think we spoke about this. But I, I, I've done motorsport too. I've, you know, I, I've been to Spa and Monza. We've done Silverstone. Actually, Silverstone was really good fun because it was, it was before COVID. It was that last year before COVID. We went to Silverstone. Um, it was a really good race. Um, you know, proud bears crazy. We jumped in the car and rushed home and on halfway home we had the tennis on it was that amazing day when Djokovic went to five sets i think it was with nadal and then you know when when we saw mm-hmm. also he's won the fourth set we thought oh he'll win we switched to the england cricket final against new zealand oh the um, super over yeah had to you know we slowed de- right down for the super mm-hmm. over and all this stuff and and got home just as we won and ran in to watch the trophy it was one of those days that you're like it was just sports mm-hmm. mad Mate, I, I can tell you the best story about that exact day. So that that exact day, I was on my, I've got, like, not to brag, I've got a girlfriend, yeah, big shock, but, <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah, not one to brag, but, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was, this was my first ever holiday with her family away to, like, Greece. And we and they always go with their family, and they have their friends that they, like, they sort of interlap holidays. Yeah. Like, they intertwi- so, they, so we all went out for this big dinner, and like you say, <laughs> Patricia Sean's just put a comment saying punching as well, isn't it? Thanks, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we so we were at this massive table. There was like twelve of us at this table. I'm getting I'm, introduced. I was just going to say. There. I was just going to say Sean can't talk. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows Sean's punching. Like the kids, the kids don't. The kids don't look like him, mate. <laughs> the the biggest blessing they'll ever receive is that his kids don't look like him. <laughs> but I can only say this because he's not got his camera. On. But yeah, so we were at this table of 12 and like you said, all this sport was just going off and I just had this, so my phone was just on the table and it was just ping, ping, ping. And it was like, my mates were like, we're in a super over. We don't even know what a super over is, but we're excited and we're watching it. (laughs) So I had this little thing on and there was a bar two doors down from the Greek restaurant we were in and that had the tennis on. (laughs) And then like you said, I think the race had been on a bar two doors down that way. So all you had was this cool group of like three, like this group of English men just walking up and down these three pubs as everything took a break. Yeah. And then, like, I was there, and these people were like trying to ask me questions, like, "So, Sam, what do you do?" And I'm just watching my tiny little phone screen, like, I can't believe what's happening. I don't know what's happening. I don't even know if we win or not, but I'm just happy to be here. And yeah, it's it amazing, honest. isn't it? Yeah. You know, small things like you know, family holiday, 2012, the Olympics was on. You know, so we'd sit there and you know, like, and all the big races run in the evening, and we used to like crowd round in a restaurant, watch Mo Farah win gold, and we're all going. Ugh all this stuff and you know I, I think sport brings a lot of people together doesn't it which is which is great but we're into we're into athletics because of my sister mm-hmm. we were at the um the world championship finals when when gatlin beat Bolt um in oh, that 100 meters that, yeah. and everyone started booing him and all of this and it was really <laughs> quite toxic but you know those kind of moments I've, I've, i'll never forget and I, I think they're better because you do it with your family oh i couldn't agree like there's so much to be said for like you said like you see like pint, pints for your old man of the rugby is nothing better Oh yeah, like, we, we like, did. Yeah. Like days when, out, days we, out with the boys are great, but like days out yeah. with the like, yeah. well, when, when Gloucester did, when Gloucester got to the Challenge Cup final against uh, Stade Francais up in up in Edinburgh, we went up. Um, yeah. We thought we're never going to win this, you know. 
uh, we didn't. Um, in fact, they they pulled a, a similar trip to Bristol the other week with the props. Um, with with I think it was Slimani was there then, so they pulled that trick and and you know it wouldn't have changed the result, but it it didn't help it out. But you know in in the corridor, Sergio Parise, you know, kind of he looked at me and my dad as if we were like scum, just the, we were like mere mortals, and and we look we're like looking up at him. My dad's quite tall, looking up at him, and and he's he's just like like get out my way type thing. But those kind of moments, me and my dad laugh about when we see family and, and all that kind of thing, because because you because you never forget those just tiny little moments. You know, we were meant to go on the Lions tour this year. That would have been a so a was I. Moment. I was meant to be there yeah. as well. We we, did, I think we did so many people I know were meant to be going there. But so we all could have just met up and. Oh no! <laughs> it was just been a small collective of everybody we knew. <laughs> it was like at the cricket Saturday. I, I one of the, one of the one of the lads who does rugby inside line, and I, I mainly do the Instagram. I, I don't don't often tweet, but one of the lads who's who's part of that. He goes, are you here? And I'm like, yeah, where are you? And I like turn to my right and he's like stumbling up some stairs. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, hello, mate. I haven't met him in a long time. I was like, I won't say hello. And we're both, oh, hello. Hey, hey. <laughs> really slurring our words. But it's just those nice little moments. Text him the next day. Did I see you yesterday? Well, I tweeted and go, I'd just like to let you all know he's he's very drunk. And he replied, go, you haven't seen Matt. It wasn't that bad, to be fair. But on the way home, one of my friends was sick in the car. And it was... It was projectile, so it went on on me. I was in the back with him. It went on the drive. It went on the. It was. It wasn't. Wasn't nice at all. Um, in fact, he hasn't texted me since, so I, I think he's still in bed. I'd, I'd have just thrown my phone in the nearest river and just pretended. Yeah, it didn't happen. Yeah, I, I, oh yeah, it's funny. After that test match, I moved the next day really sudden. Yeah, but you, you know, you, those moments are brilliant, aren't they? And. and oh. I was saying this. I was discussing this with uh, the podcast. will be out when this comes. Out. I was discussing it with uh, Tom Lindsay, you know, Bristol Women's Coach. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was. Just, he was on here before. That was another favour I called in to get him on. But yeah, we were discussing it. We were saying the thing that people care the least the most about the most about sport is the result. Like the yeah. memories. The memories of sport are the best part by far. Hundred percent, and 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 those. It's those that I think that's the worst thing about mm-hmm. doing any form of sports journalism. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, you're there. Yes, you're witnessing history. Yes, it's amazing, but you're not witnessing it as a fan. So you know, yeah. sometimes I sometimes I purposely don't apply for accreditation for certain things so I can go as a fan, um, and and I'm fine with that. Some some journalists would never do that because their job is is their life, or they they're contracted to a a, mm-hmm. a site or a newspaper or a broadcast, so they have to. You know, by job, I'm I'm lucky enough to get by freelancing at the moment um, for various digital media people. Um, or always looking for that ideal full-time job, but I'm not, it's not overly hitting me at the moment. So I'm lucky enough to go to the cricket as a fan. Um, I think we've, we've penciled in like a pub to go and watch the Lions game, you know, that, that kind of thing. And, and I'm, I'm sure. happy to do, do you know that. What you- do you know what you should do? You should go to these events as a fan and then publish your own articles, like, but write them as you're either coming down from the yeah. from the drunkness or just write it as you're just like live, almost live broadcast it and just go, well, and then just keep a tally of what drinks you've had as you go. So it's like pint 16, I think England are still batting. I'm not quite sure. See, I think I think that would be a really good way of, of making a, a, a sport that's maybe not fully embraced a really good way of, of of explaining sport can you imagine if if you did that at a rugby game but you know like the uh i mean i, I went to the australia new zealand um world cup final uh twickenham mm-hmm. i wasn't old enough to drink i got served happy days but <laughs> but you know one of those there would have been really good you know it was the final world cup for dan carter 
he hit he made the 1500 international points mark you know all of them and you know I, I think that kind of article could actually be quite good but no one would ever publish it unless you self-publish that the thing is yeah it's like you say that nobody would ever self-publish it everybody would read it like you, oh, you know you can read it yeah. um it but, just... but one, one of my lectures was a was at talk sport when i when i was at uni mm -hmm. my radio teacher and, and she we talk about the lions tour they they she was saying we're going for the rights um, yeah. and all this stuff and she said but they're not they won't send many digital and I said well I'm going and she was like yeah. well I can you know I can ask if if they're going to need someone out there to do like fan footage that's something sport needs more of fan footage oh, yeah. I mean I I trowel like Arsenal TV and stuff like that like it's like yeah it's I mean I, I I trowel through you know YouTube every every few years or you know looking for really good Barmy Army uh, cricket songs when they're <laughs> down under or the Lions but but not filmed by the lions, but filmed in in the stand, because um, yeah. that really gives a great atmosphere. The quality is never good, but you don't want it to be brilliant. Yeah. But can you, you want, imagine? You want that. You want that where it's like held landscape, so you can never view it perfectly. Yeah. So you move your phone, it moves back. So the, one of the one of the things I loved. I mean, I talked to a few media people, and we talk about certain, especially rugby clubs. What we touch on other clubs is is, is media coverage. Um, mm. If you get the chance, Somerset cricket do some outstanding digital stuff. Um, really? In terms of rugby, Bristol and Sale do good stuff. Yeah, Somerset's is incredible. Mm -hmm. You know, they've got, they kind of do um, a behind the scenes for every match. So you kind of nice. feel you're with the team all the time. Um, but but they do some great stuff. There's all, there's something I've always wanted to be seen at Gloucester, which I know it's a bit expensive, but do you know one of those kind of 360 cams or those 180 cams? Yeah, one yeah, of them, yeah. They, one they of them, the tunnel and stuff like that, yeah. yeah, one of them lit properly with a proper microphone in the shed. Um, oh, that'd be class. So just because people always go, what's it like in there? And if you ask any Gloucester fan, they'll go, we'll say it's brilliant, but you don't know until you've been there. Mm -hmm. You don't know what it's like in there. Because it's a world famous stand, I suppose, in terms of rugby. It's, it's a bit like Munster as a, as a ground. Um, mm -hmm. I think one of them in there, properly well microphoned, um, would be some absolutely amazing content. I, I couldn't agree more like the the behind the scenes and like you say just the involved like everybody in sport wants to feel like they are in the room with everything they see it's yeah like, it's, one it, of the reasons, it's one of the reasons I started this like I want to hear what it's like from the people and the people involved in sport it, it's also one of the things I think is most difficult about being a sports club now is with this digital age this this media anyone can do a podcast anyone can do this that and the other um but the one thing that fans are doing is they're constantly demanding more and more and more um, oh, yeah, it's, it's, and they don't and they don't expect you to like lower the quality of what they're already doing so um you know that there, there are there are some companies that charge an extortionate amount of money to just do a club's graphics for a year i'd yeah. you know I'd, I'd get a uni student to do that for half the half the price and then you know spend the rest on a good camera or spend the rest on a pro like a, a project that you know if, if it doesn't do great you know fine but mm -hmm. I, I think some clubs have got to start taking risks because um we're seeing what the the american clubs are doing in terms of access there they're asking their players to to go on instagram at training and all this kind of thing show Wait, us what do, they're do you, doing do you watch the mlr um i i <laughs> i promised i would i was a committed la fan on the basis that i think that's where the game's going to grow the quickest mm -hmm. i didn't expect them to be as good as they were I watched the first two rounds and then decided that 2 a.m. was too late. <laughs> oh, mate, so I kind to, of copped out. <laughs> you've got to, you've got to get on mine and producer Sean, producer Sean's timetable. We are massive 
I, I'm just converted to American sport. I'm a huge American football fan, so like yeah. Sunday Sunday nights at three a.m. and then going to work at eight a.m. are not uncommon for me. Yeah, I mean, I I try my best. If I'm if I'm up late, it's it's probably cricket. But I I I, I, I try I try, but sometimes I I overdo rugby. I overwatch a sport. Um, mm. And I, I actually, I actually get bored of watching it, which is crazy. I know some people can watch it for hours and hours, but the worst time in my life is an international weekend because I hate watching four or five games in a weekend. I'd yeah. rather watch two or three and then um, sit in a pub and have it on casually. I mean, European weekends during COVID have been lovely, but they've also been horrible because you've got mm -hmm. three games on a Friday, then there's rugby from 12 o'clock to 8 o'clock on the Saturday, then 3 o'clock to 8 o'clock on the Sunday. And I'll sit there and watch it all. And then by the end of it, I'm bored of rugby. Yeah, no, I, I'm the same. Like, it's when you say it's like you've got nothing to do in a COVID weekend, but you get to the final game and you think, I just don't want to watch any more rugby. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting really... And then and then you look at the channel and it's, I don't know, Munster to lose and you go, oh, you know, I want to watch that one. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if you told me that I would have missed Argen versus London Irish. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, I, I, and then I really wanted to watch the Beirut game against Bayon. I'm, I'm a huge, I'm hugely into the pro, um, the pro de deux, as they call it over there. I'm massive fan of it. We don't hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You pronounced that perfectly, and you called zebra zebra. <laughs> I say. What can I say? I saw, I saw. I was on. I was doing a clubhouse one on Friday. And this woman was in there. She was uh, very knowledgeable about the pro de deux. And she started calling the top 14, the top 14. And I, I started going, what's that? And I started writing it in my sheet going, top, oh, four, oh, top 14. But I, it, just people talk to me about, about that league so much. And I'm a huge advocate for that league based on the amount of clubs that are in there that were in the top 14. You know, Beeritz got promoted. Yeah. They're their former champions of the, of, of the French league. I, I love it. I love the way they do it as well. well Thursday say, night. Huge, yeah. The huge fan of the French model, just rugby model. Like I think yeah. there's so much other clubs because, like, I mean, I come like my team's in a ring fence league, and it's got four countries in it, and it's still ring fence. Yeah. Who is your team? I, I say it's my team. It's Edinburgh just because it's closest team. Like okay. it was the it was the Border Reavers, but then they folded. So yeah, oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> that's that's when you when you you know you've gone to watch a shit rugby match when you were sat there in Gala Shields on a Friday night, torrential rain, and it's like minus ten. You're uh, watching. I, I I saw a nil nil once while I was at uni, and it was London Welsh. It was London Welsh as well. I was watching. I thought I can't. Why am I here? It was raining. <laughs> why am I? Why am I here? <laughs> That's. Have you ever? I remember I watched this. I think this was on a league of their own ten years ago. Have you ever been at a game as as a as a journalist and just thought I might just go home? Like there's nothing here to write about. I might just go home. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think I probably have. Um, you know, sometimes you'll you'll see me there like this. <laughs> Camera cuts and this one goes just bang his yeah. head off the laptop. <laughs> and and sometimes I've I've sat there and I start because I, I I I'm no longer fit enough, but I used to have um refereeing qualification. Mm -hmm. So I used to sit there from the touchline and just sit like this and then go like when a penalty was given, I used to just go like like to which way it was going and then the ref would blow up and I'm like, Yeah, got that one right. Yeah, yeah, one thank right. God. Yeah. But then sometimes you go to a game and you don't want it to be too hectic. That's the last thing you want. As, yeah. as a journalist, it's great as a neutral. And the last thing you want, especially, is something to happen in the last five minutes that changes the game. After you've just written the whole report. <laughs> yeah, because a lot a lot of them, especially these Friday night games or Friday night international games, um, you know, mm -hmm. there have been journalists who are, I'm lucky enough to not write for nationals. In, I suppose that's unlucky, but 
they they will have a deadline and the deadline is 10 minutes after full time just because the game's taken two hours or there's been a delay yeah. and then something happens right at the end and you can see them all go <laughs> delete <laughs> yeah so some of them write two introductions before the game and then pick the nicest one and edit it um mm -hmm. but but you know i it, it's not something it, it, i love it I, if i got given a, a national job doing any sport I, i'd love it and, I, and i'd invest so much time into being good at it but while i don't have that job it, it doesn't yeah no i, I get what yeah. you mean like the, the honor of just doing it would be yeah i like obviously i know nothing about journalism but the the honor of just being involved at that sort of scale would be incredible yeah i mean and, and um i was at the england france women's six nations final and mm -hmm. i was doing nothing but a few instagram posts i was there doing digital media so mm -hmm. i really enjoyed myself it was a really close game it was a good really really good game of rugby i had um uh, a journalist next to me who was doing a live commentary but she you know you know she'd go oh who who did that I, you know i've been typing it on you give her the name and, and you have a really good chat you know probably shouldn't do it because of because of covid but i usually take a packet of haribos or something and share them out that, that always gets everyone on the on your side um there's, there's always got to be one with the with the squishies of the jelly babies that's yeah, like yeah. yeah that's the, that's the way we keep people yeah. going but you know those kind of games are brilliant when you know you don't have to do loads and if you know but but then the small bits you do do can be really high quality because you've got time to do them i suppose mm -hmm. that's yeah it's just it's a nice thing just to be involved with yeah for sure right mate what's your favorite bit of sport to write about you said you're not really that much fan of doing match profiles what's your like are you like an interviews kind of guy are you like a i've been granted exclusive interview with this guy and then i've asked him about tom dick and harry and i forgot to talk to him about the game of the weekend type thing right? <laughs> i i love doing a feature i love having a having like a spine and then finding out different opinions on on something and writing really flouncy introductions and, and that kind of thing i i like match reports there they're very good but i think my i think my issue with them is that these days you know highlights are available 10 minutes after a game i just yeah. don't think many people read them anymore you know it's, it's a bit like um teletext remember that we used to go on there and look for the score you know? <laughs> when my dad was at the rugby he used to record it for me um mm -hmm. you know, I, I watch it in the evening when i get home but i look on teletext for the score and i was like six or seven um mm -hmm. And, and, I, and I like I like that way, but then I grew up and realised, oh, now and now I can look at it on my phone. Mm -hmm. And then now that I can get highlights on my phone, I, I very rarely read a match report ever. Now, I, in fact, I don't think I've read one maybe for a year. Um, yeah, I, I'm the same. I like you said. Well, half the time the tr the tries, even if they're not full highlights, they get posted minutes after they've been yeah. scored. And and sometimes I find a tweet will sum up a game as well as a a match report does um so i find watching the highlights and then um you know so that so that um bristol uh leicester thing that was really controversial mm. i thought you know a few really good journalists paul paul williams who usually does top 14 uh, I, I think paul's brilliant I'm, yeah paul's him um i think i think will kellyer who does, does the mail and a few others sum that up in 250 280 characters each yeah. that in, in as good a way or maybe better than the match report did because you know they link to a video or it links this instantly and i, th I think that's the way we're going I, I but yeah I, I love writing features because um you get to find out a little bit more context and then you learn so much more about a person and you're more likely to get on with them unless you ask mm -hmm. that i mean that's not to say i'm any good at writing them but i, I enjoy writing <laughs> them 
No, yeah, no. I think your features are alright. Here's <laughs> any consolation. I like the features, I've read. Thanks. Right, mate, I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk about mental health because you come from, as I've said a few times already. Like you're the, the problem with journalism and anything when you chuck something on Twitter or into a paper, into an article is eventually you get someone that doesn't like it, and their normal course of action is to tell you how much you should never have been born on Twitter. So, like, how does this like? How what do you think the way? Because obviously, like we've been discussing, and it's quite it's quite good how we've actually managed to stumble into this. We um. We're discussing about how digital marketing is fast becoming the norm, and like you say, match reports are f- slowly filing the way out. Like, how do you think this is going to go with socials, and then linking it to your mental health? Like, how is the mental? Like, I assume you have to be quite thick-skinned to be a journalist, and then be on social media as well as what I'm getting at here. I hate it when someone says something horrible to me on mm-hmm. online. I I take everything. I don't take it personally, but I I, I feel oh well okay. Um, you know, and, yeah. and sometimes that that's not nice. I mean, I've I had a few really weird like like death threats, and and I think I think I had like a rape threat or something by by some anonymous account once when See, I suggested when I suggested well, 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 you're, I tw- you're 21 years old, you shouldn't have to be going through stuff like that. Well, the, yeah, yeah, those kind of things you just go, you know, mm-hmm. well, you're anonymous, you're probably anonymous for a reason or whatever. Yeah. But um, but I but that was over me me saying Will Griff John should play for Wales and start for Wales. I, that, that's not to say he's the best prop in Wales, but I thought he deserved a cap. And you, know, you get some really weird stuff, but but those those kind of things don't affect me as much as they affect some people because I I just don't believe people would do that. I think I think that's when I think um, we sort we saw um, all of this stuff with Sarah um, um, Everard and stuff. I think when mm-hmm. this happens to especially young women, but but women in general, I I think it's a lot scarier because I think. I'm not saying it never happens to men, but I think the higher chance of the threats that they say, the things that they actually say, the high, there's a higher chance of some of those things actually happening to women on the street or, or happening at all. So I, I think, I think that's the major issue. It's 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 there 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 is a line uh, between mm-hmm. what what criticism is and what opinion is. I just think far too many people don't know what that line is, or just don't know what's actually acceptable to, to say out loud and rem- and people remember your, your tweets are there forever you, you can delete it but it's there you know, yeah it takes just one person to screenshot it and you see you see it with politicians they say something very stupid whether they whether they meant it in the way they said it or not but it's screenshotted and, and without the context or this screenshot you know so i i think i think there are i think there are lots of i think this is on social media companies to actually have have you know a, a verification process where I, I don't think you should have to show um, ID or a particular email to or, or etc. But I think there should be something in place there where it's a lot easier to block you and, and to to permanently kick you off the platform. A little bit like when um, football clubs find actually are able to identify players who are uh, fans who are racist and they give them life bans from all football matches. I think there is something we can do there that's a bit similar to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think I'm along the same lines of you. I don't think it's um, I don't know if whether putting your physical ID into Twitter is the best outcome, but there should be some sort of. You can't be. I can't remember. There's a there was one quite famous. I don't want to put somebody's name to it because it's not the player's fault that they chose their name to beside beside. You know, you can't be, you can't be Chelsea player. Insert Chelsea player name here. Thirty six thousand nine hundred forty two with a photo of an yeah. egg. And then just sit there and no, just go, yeah, exactly. I I hate every person from this minority because I yeah. decided this when I woke up this morning and stuff like that. And 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 the thing I think a lot of people forget here in the UK in America as well is that if you if you've made 
you made it very easy to identify people online with they had to have an ID thing. You wouldn't get whistleblowers in China talking about genocide. You wouldn't get thing, you know, you know, people in, in Hong Kong talking about what's going on and, and you know, whistleblowing on, yeah. on atrocities around the world because they'd be easily able to track because, you know, if if Twitter can look at who you are, then obviously um, you know, yeah, the, the, government, the government probably can get <laughs> exactly. So I think that's where we've got to be careful. You know, it's fine here in England and it's fine in the UK because, but even here we have whistleblowers who who need to who need to say something for the for, for public interest. And I think if you put ID on everything, um, you're you're putting that in danger. But yeah, I think there's a way where, like football, can identify people and keep them out for life. I think that's the way forward in on well online. Yeah, like yeah. If if a football club can find a person, and then the next thing you know he can't go to a football game in the UK, Twitter can definitely find somebody and go. Exactly. Yeah. If you can, if you can ban the president of the United States, who is the leader of the free world, you can yeah. get you can get rid of some lad from the local council of state that's just abusing people. Yeah. Well, we all have an IP address, don't we? You know that that's the thing. And but but no, yeah, we I, get I, today's sponsor. No, I'm joking. We don't. Have a sponsor. <laughs> They just want everything, so I'm just yeah, assuming it's <laughs> I, I think that's the thing, and and a lot of people will say, "Don't read the comments," and I back that. I mean, I I read all the comments on everything on on stuff I tweet, whether it's on my account or other accounts. Um, I mean, I, I I read comments on tweets that aren't mine. Like you see, as soon as there's yeah. like a, you know those jokes about like old Facebook comments, and it's like you see something that's got like 200 comments. Yeah, and it's like or, you're, you're there at yeah. 3 a.m. reading it. <laughs> yeah, and and some some you get some really good you know get great comments. You know, I, 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 this is something. If, if you haven't done it, have you, have you ever tweet, uh, typed into Google "Florida man" and then your birthday? Yes, I have done it. So mine, <laughs> mine is something to do with a bloke getting his bits cut off by something or other, um, by by an angry girlfriend or something. But then you read the comments of them. People are angry that that you know we're out in this man as as a victim <laughs> or or out in this woman as a murderer or all this kind. We don't know the story. But I sit there and read all them comments, and I'm not saying I enjoy them, but I sit there and I. You get obsessed with comments, don't you? Mate, they're, they're like um, it's like a, it's like going into a TikTok call. Like you, you'll be there for four hours before you notice you've been there. I'm glad to say I'm very, very, very new on TikTok, and I haven't quite found that hole yet. <laughs> Mate, you don't even you'll just find yourself. It will be um, like my the, the algorithm caters to you so fast. Like mine is um, awful, like awful Family Guy jokes. You know, it's like the proper the proper dark, and it's just I'll just scroll on that. And then, like, I have to listen to it with headphones in because everybody was like, "If you listen to this out loud, he's a, he's a sociopath." But they, they, but but TikTok's quite dark as well, isn't it? There's a very dark side to TikTok. It's oh, there's some of the stuff that's on there is weird. Like talking about stuff that shouldn't be on the internet. Like, I reckon ninety percent of TikTok should not have, have seen the light of day. Yeah, it's 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 odd. It'd be, you know, you get you get some of those. I, I know you're you're new. I, I added you the other day to Clubhouse. You sometimes <laughs> enter a chat there and, and you sit there and listen and think, no, nope, not for me. You just hear these you know, brass opinions about things, and you and you think, why are you enter? Why are people entertaining that opinion? But then again, it's free speech. You could say what you like as long as you're not, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's it's, it's that classic argument of free speech versus stop giving idiots a microphone. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There's a line between free speech and hate yeah. speech, I think. And, and yeah. again, like I said about the comments and saying things, especially to journalists, you know. Um, a lot of people don't know that line that there was a i, I don't i, I don't a name because i don't get a name one like you said earlier but there was a a journalist at the telegraph who wrote about i think katie she wrote about her her horrible experience well her great experience of being a journalist but some of the horrible experience she's had um in press rooms 
Um, is this, is this the one that was the rugby based one? Because I think I read it as well. Yes. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, they're, they're not all of them. But there are a few comments going, you know, you know, well, well, you know, you signed up for the job and that kind of thing. But that's yeah. not the job you sign up for. I mean, you know, she. It's, it's she the most saying, flawed argument I've ever heard. You signed up for the job. I was like, I don't remember reading the contract and reading like sexual harassment. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I mean, and there's one thing I had in, I had in common with her at Twickenham. I mean, I think she was saying when she first went through, even though she had a press pass on, someone gave her like something to go somewhere else. I, th I think it was like, it was a like his chef's apron or something. Yeah. yeah, it was sure, yeah. Well, the first time I went to King's Zone, uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, to Twickenham, someone had, someone gave me my accreditation. I was there with the, with the press, with the company or with freelance mm -hmm. and stuff. He handed me a, a bar thing and went, Oh, the bar's over there. Um, they open in an hour. I'm thinking I'm not on, on press. I'm, yeah. You know, they kind of smile at you, but <laughs> for me, for me, that's the, if that's the worst thing I've, I've had in person, I'm, I'm extremely, lucky mm -hmm. for that in, in in rugby i mean politics is a different story probably not worth broadcasting some of those <laughs> some of those encounters but um yeah but if, yeah, if, if i make if i make the over an 80 minutes politics podcast we'll go into that one you'll be guessing no we one. will no we will not <laughs> over a pint i'll tell you what everything i know about every final, finals day at the cricket yeah everything <laughs> i've ever known or you know come across or whatever sure but but yeah um, i'll tell i'll tell you my secrets from the world of rugby there you go it's a deal. It's a deal. <laughs> All those things you got up to on tour, eh? <laughs> oh no, I mean just the things I hear. <laughs> well, well, you're welcome to DM me anytime. <laughs> <laughs> My anonymous leak. Oh, we wonder who that could be. <laughs> I don't leak. Well, I tell you what, though, there's something a lot of people. I'll, t I'll tell you this. As I said, I'm not the main. I'm not the one who does the main transfer stuff at, at, at yeah. the inside line. I, I as I said, I, I mostly just do the Instagram because it gives mm -hmm. me a chance to design stuff in a you know just it's not it's not very good design but it's eye-catching and it, I that, that is good design that is good design if it's eye -catching, I, I, it's good yeah design. It's, it's a little bit ugly but other people like it I, I sit there and I spend my days when I'm bored in bed and I'll write I'll write a 15 mm -hmm. so I'll write like you know I think let me have a look at my phone the last three I've done and, and someone else who I do the Instagram with loves the top 14 so the last three or four I've done mm -hmm. are uh, a top 14, 23 and under. So youngsters mm -hmm. in top 14. Um, Pacific Islanders in playing in Britain and Ireland. Uh, a Southern Hemisphere 15 in Europe. Um, uh, 15 of Springboks that are playing in the British Isles. You know, those kind of things. I just sit there and when I'm bored, I write a 15. Um, but, sorry to go off, off track, but um, one thing that people think, people think that someone gives Rugby Inside Line a rumour and we run mm -hmm. it. We don't. We mm -hmm. take that rumor and go thanks, and then we'll ask people who we know will probably know to double source. And we only ever publish stuff that two people have confirmed. Um, and then one of us will just double check that those people aren't really closely connected. Um, yeah. And that's the only way we 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 do stuff because um, it's very we we get we get some brilliant ones. The other day I had uh, uh, Karevi to Gloucester. You what, know from from Irish. Uh, no, no, Karevi, the um, oh the yeah, box, yeah, sorry, yeah. yeah, from Panasonic World Nights. Yeah, yeah. So you get you get ones like that. You you get the occasional a Toje to Bristol. You get some of the ones that you know will never happen, but you like you'd love them to happen because they'd be great for the Premiership. But you, you just think that's never going to happen. Yeah, just just then, just for the social interaction, you want them to happen. <laughs> yeah, and and then you get ones you get ones like you get some really interesting ones going. Oh, I work for an estate agent, and X Y Z just bought a house. Yeah, and you go oh. So then you talk to something, you know, th this kind of thing. And, and 
I, 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 I think that's that's an important thing to, to state because so, I think some people just think we, we grab hold of anything and post it. I mean, if I remember rightly, we we were the first to get the Bristol Bears um, rebrand. Um, oh, yeah. And we got way to NFL. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think the last big one we got was Johnny May back to Gloucester. Um, we got that one, I think, last year. But we've got, we got, look, we get loads of little ones. Um, but the one that caused the biggest uh, and caused the club back thing was was we we heard through two or three sources that Sale weren't going to sign him, but they were talking to Wally Thorley. Mm -hmm. And this is when he was on form, you know, try yeah, a game type enough, thing. Yeah. And a week later, there was a, or a few days later, there was a fan forum at, at Gloucester. And they actually said, oh, we've, we've read this rumour. Uh, we don't know how it could possibly be true and, unless, you know, it, it is true or whatever. And then a day later, he re-signed. So it's kind <laughs> of those things where you go, oh, well, that's a bit convenient, isn't it? But, um, but yeah, we, everything on there is double source. And there, is, there are people who are much better at it than us, you know, um, Neil Fizzler, who, who does the rugby paper. You mm -hmm. know, people buy that paper yeah, great. There are match reports in it. People buy that paper for the rumours. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's, that, it's, like we, it's like we were saying earlier. Like, everybody knows what happened in the game. Nobody wants to read first thing, that. First thing I do, I don't buy it often anymore. I ask someone else who, who, who's bought it to, to send me the rumours. But the first <laughs> thing I do when I open that is to go, anyone to my club or any really oh, cool yeah. rumours. And, and it's, the same as them, like, it's the same as football when it's transfer season. Exactly. It's, everyone is hooked on them. And even the ones that will never happen, you know, you know, you you know, you hear you hear Sancho to United now mm -hmm. currently. They well, they're they're twenty million euros apart. It would probably happen because it's Man United. But you know, even if that didn't happen, everyone's thinking, everyone's talking about it. Everyone's thinking, you know, Grealish, you know, Harry Kane to Man City. It's like it's like you said though, isn't it? It's like if if an agent or somebody can put something like out there, it can cause a re-sign of a contract or it can cause a transfer. Yeah, there, like, I, there are some people that that do that. Oh, uh, my, yeah. oh there you go. Sean there, Mike Mike Ford leaves Leicester Tigers, Kevin Sinfield's in. Is he? Bloody hell. Sam it's Burgess is buzzing. Yeah. <laughs> Sam Burgess <laughs> is doing backflips. <laughs> I think Sam Burgess is doing many other things. There aren't <laughs> just party with Jay Z. Just party with Jay Z. Jay -Z. <laughs> He's always in the news. But yeah, so that you know, it's it's really interesting, but but you know, though those, those rumors keep me going. I'm I love them. I'm, oh, I'm like a I, gossip. Mate, off it's like the same as um, did you ever play football manager? No, I no, I'm. It's it's one of those holes I, I never fell into. Thank God, mate. I I will single handedly put down the reason I only got a two two at uni down to football manager. <laughs> taking taking Solly Hall to Champions League glory is my greatest achievement of all time. I I got a first at uni by I think two marks. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure I got a two two by two marks. So we'll keep it very quiet. <laughs> I, I turned off and I was like, "It's marine biology. Where the fuck are the dolphins? Why are you teaching me about plants?" <laughs> That's clever, though. Clever degree, that though. A oh, two-two in marine biology is probably worth worth a first in journalism. <laughs> you didn't see my degree. <laughs> <laughs> my 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 dissertation project was how do we clean water using nothing but plants. That was literally my dissertation topic. It's, yeah. it, it was really interesting if I'd bothered my arse to then take it the next step further, finishing yeah. my dissertation. But yeah, you've I mean you've read mine. You've read my project. <laughs> You don't want to read mine. I don't even have a copy of mine anyway. <laughs> by the time I finished uni, I was like, I want nothing to do with it. <laughs> wow. Right, mate. Last, last thing before we get to the end of the podcast and we get on to a little bit of quick fire. Top three sports to go watch as a fan. Three sports where you think, well, regardless of what I'm doing, I'm putting it on. Um, but, you're not, but you're not allowed to say rugby and cricket. 
because we've just said uh, England cricket. I think, I think the right football game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Sunday league football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, just yeah. Sunday league football. Yeah, the the right kind of game. Um, I think athletics is massively underrated as a sport in general. Me. The Olympics is case in point for that. Like, think about how many people watch the Olympics and then don't watch the Diamond League or something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, it, it's amazing. When when we get this Commonwealth Games Stadium up in Birmingham, I I think it's going to be um, a very exciting time. I, I think mm-hmm. uh, um, athletics will will stop completely going to to London Stadium. I think that will become the hub. Um, third one, um, I don't know. I'd probably say. I'd, I'd probably say rugby league. I've enjoyed some really good days out at the rugby league. Um, I probably can't say that as a union fan, but but you know, I I will happily go and sit and watch watch loads of sports. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I I love it all. I, I went to watch a tennis game at the Albert Hall. You know, I wouldn't normally do that, but I thought, oh, let's do that. That's a bit of a laugh. So I I think you've got to find the right kind of game for each sport. Mm-hmm. I think I think there's so much to be said as well for a sport that's reasonably priced. Like you say, yeah. like every sport is good. And then, like you say, if you can go to somewhere at the Albert Hall, I mean, obviously it probably wasn't, but say like on the day and you've got nothing to do and somebody turns around and goes, oh, there's a ticket to this for seven or eight quid. You're like, yeah, I'll do yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. When, Why not? Um, I, I did a bit of PR stuff while I was around and, and we got tickets. I got tickets and a hotel, two hotel rooms to uh, mm-hmm. England women, Brazil women at Wembley. Um, mm-hmm. And I text my dad. He, I wasn't sure whether he'd come, but he was like, yep, yeah, I'm down. He came, a few mates came, five or a ticket, um, 80,000 people, so 77,000 people turned up. And it was a very, very good night out because it was reasonably priced. You got a lot of people. And I think the day after I went to go go and watch the Para World World Championship swimming at, at the London Aquatic Centre for three quid. You know, you, it's amazing what what it's amazing what's there if you look. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they sometimes do hockey at the stoop. Um yeah. you know, those kind of things are a tenor a ticket. You know, go, go to these amazing events. Women's rugby's a great one. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I did a lot of it during the pandemic, um, especially down at Bristol with with Tom Tom's Tom's club, um, Tom mm-hmm. Lindsay, and um, you know even that we we went to the final, me and my dad, and we thought, oh, we'll go to the final. It's in Gloucester, you know, uh, fifteen quid a ticket or whatever it was. You know, you, if things are priced mm-hmm. right, I think I think that, that I think there's a market for for anything, especially in Britain. We are we are a bit sports loony, aren't we? Oh, it's it's exactly like you said. if you just. If you were focused on trying to get something legal, we can't sell at the ground. If you just turned around and went, take a tenner off every ticket, like you'd sell yeah. the ground. And then they come in and they drink three or four pints and you make your money back. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because they think, oh, well, I've saved a tenner and what I normally pay. I'll get two extra pints or something. I'll tell you what, though. Yesterday, uh, the weekend at the cricket, a pint was £6.50. That's disgusting. And a Carlin was five seventy. In, in, Bur- in Birmingham, there must have been up for... <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, we, well, we started drinking Prava at six fifty a pint and then... We went on to Carlin, it was 20, 23 quid around for four beers. And I thought, oh, it's like being back at uni. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Mate, I, could, I could have a night out on 23 quid. So could I here. Well, <laughs> I, think I, could, I think I could hear as well. There's a cracking looking bar outside. Mate, I was thinking, in that case, that's a good point to get us onto the quick fire <laughs> questions. And then the, the biggest indication of, can you please let me get off your podcast so I can go to the bar? <laughs> oh, you think I, I'd go on my own? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I go to a pub by myself. You never been to a pub yeah. by yourself? Um, oh, no, I haven't. No. If you're if you're ever in Edinburgh, right, best pubs to go to if you're by yourself because you won't be by yourself very long. McSorley's down by Haymarket train station. Yeah, 
Sorry, not even McSorley's. No, it's Malone's. Malone's moved in the new Publicot comics. You go to Malone's by Haymarket train station. The golf tavern up in Brunsfield is phenomenal. That was my local for a year. And then um, one more that I'd probably recommend if you're uh, if you're trying to get really drunk and have a great time, where would you go for a good pint? Just head to one of the spoons on the on George Street. Just oh, it's it's always a classic, that isn't it? It can yeah, always you... be fine in spoons. Mate, we, yeah, we once had a um, quick story, really off topic, but we once had a mate who worked in one of the spoons on George Street, which is like the high street of Edinburgh. And it was, um, it was they just released these books that was um, like coupons, and it was like, oh, they're not supposed to activate till midnight tonight. And he handed the solemn at eight o'clock when we walked in. Yeah, I think I think we had gone through two of the four booklets that we've been given by the time it had hit midnight. We when well, we got that, you it's usually around freshest time they do that. We made it a yeah. mission to get through a book in a week. <laughs> You know, nice. uh, drinks wise, not not food. Wise. So you know, we walk in there and yeah. asking for prosecco, and everyone's going, "What? It's three o'clock?" And we're like, "Yeah, but I've got to finish the book." Yeah, yeah, mate. But it's only two pound if I use this. So yeah. I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. What are you what are you celebrating? Thursday? Just yeah. Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> Waking up before my lecture. Yeah. Right, mate. We're gonna go for the quick, cheeky, nice, easy little quick fires to end, okay. just so people get a bit more about you. Right, mate. I'm gonna go. I've got a section of quick fire. I've got a selection of quick fires mixed up from different guests, so I'm just gonna rinse my way through them all. Right, okay. start off. Start off strong. Tea or coffee? Uh, coffee. Strong. Pints or cocktails? Pints. Rogue. I'll, I'll admit, I'm a cocktails kind of guy. Night out or a night in? I'd say I, I will drink anything. Um, <laughs> night out, but a bar, not a club. Strong. Strong. Uh, movie or TV series? TV series. <laughs> right, back to your back to your old playing days now. Would you rather score a try or make a try save and tackle? Um, uh, score a try. I think Dad would be prouder of me. Oh, if you made a try save and tackle? <laughs> no, scored. No, I think if I oh, scored, right. he'd be prouder of me. He used to play centre. He used to score all the time. I'm, I was <laughs> I wasn't very good. I I think I played twice at school, and that's my career. That's my rugby right. playing career. That's so you need two games. <laughs> Two I was, games. I was hooker and then second row, and I'm mate. five five eight. <laughs> mate, I'm five, I'm five nine and ultra boost. Don't worry about it. <laughs> what you need, like, you just need two games. Get the stash, chuck it on, never take it off, and then everybody just plays your rugby player. That's all you do. Yeah, I, I should have done that, shouldn't I? <laughs> right, this one this one's made for other people, but rugby or dogs? <laughs> if you had to choose between rugby or dogs to go tomorrow, which one would you get rid of? Uh, if I had to get rid of one, I'd get I'd get rid of dogs. I know. You're just, sorry, you're a, you're a psychopath. <laughs> I'm, I'm, no, it's the responsibility. I I've always wanted a dog, but I've because mm-hmm. I've always, I've lived in London since I've turned turned it into an adult. Yeah. I've I've always wanted one in in my flat, but I know I couldn't give it the responsibility or the time it needed. So I'd rather not have one. I'd rather it live happy with with Doris down the road than with with me and see the light of day two hours. So I'm it, there's reasoning behind it. Yeah. <laughs> Right, haggis or black pudding? Um, I can't. I've never had haggis. Hate black pudding, so I say haggis. Mm-hmm. London or Gloucester? As a place to live, London. Oh, <laughs> do you know? Yeah. Interesting. Fact, I reckon everybody I've asked has chosen the place they live now rather than where they grew up. London. Well, <laughs> well, I grew up in. I, I well, I grew up in Gloucester. Yeah. Um, but like, that's what I mean. Everybody, everybody else is choosing yeah. choosing the new place. Yeah. <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin or The Rock? Um, the Rock, because he's so versatile. He does a bit of everything. Strong choice. And lastly, how would you like a steak to be cooked? 
uh rare correct answer this it's not but it is a correct answer it, it's the correct answer it's the only yeah. answer <laughs> right and then end the question the one that's been an absolute fan favorite since i've told everybody about it and it's the one the guests always look forward to when i tell them you've now you've just done your second game for your school team gone against the biggest rivals 50 points you've scored eight tries from second row been dominating the scrum been a man mountain in the line out you've just been handed the phone in the aux cord your coach tells your 16 year old self you've got three cheesy pop songs to get the team ready for a night out at the underage of disco what three songs are you picking and why right first one you've got to overdo the cheese so that they think you're rubbish then it gets better so... or, you, or you've got an order as well i like this yeah order so call me maybe carly ray jepson brilliant phenomenal that gets everyone going it's stupidly yeah. cheesy and it, um then it would be come on eileen <laughs> this, is so is <laughs> this is so white this is so but then, well, then you know. But then, no. But the yeah. reason I do it is because it's it's everyone, no matter where they're from, knows these songs. Yeah. Um, and then I finish strong, pulp, common people. Brilliant. Absolutely I think that's a strong, brilliant. strong finish. I, do you know what? These these have progressively got better with every guest. Callum, Sar <laughs> Callum Sarkis was so niche to wasps. <laughs> it was like it was like they're all great songs, but they very much have their own place in the Wasps team bus. <laughs> I can imagine. George, George Taylor just picked three for him. He was like, "Fuck the rest, fuck the rest of the team. I'm just going with that." <laughs> I, I, <laughs> like, I think I think Common People is just one of those ones that gets everyone bouncing. Mate, that or Abba. Abba just seems to no matter where you are, Abba people love Abba. Yeah. Shout. Mate, that was like. I thought I thought Tom Lindsay's was good. That one has topped it. So in the unofficial ranking, you're definitely top so far. Well, that makes sense. I'm so hot at the moment. I look at tomato. I'm on the fifteenth <laughs> floor. There's no aircon and the windows don't open. Well, play those songs and then you'll have an excuse to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, mate, that's us finished. So, people, I'd like to say a huge thank you to Matt for coming on in the over in eighty minutes podcast. Matt, where can they find you on social media? Where can they check out all your um, stuff? I'm currently Matt Hardy Journo. That's very professional. Um, my Instagram is MTF Hardy. That's my first, second. Well, that's my first name and middle names. But but yeah, uh, MTF Hardy. That's that's public, but it's not really journalism. So that's if you, you want to see how much of a buffoon I am. That's if you want to see a beer snake at Edge Baston and his mate carrying twenty five. <laughs> yeah, or my family, or you know, our very horrible Christmas photos. Mate, they're the best kind of one. My my Instagram's <laughs> awful. That's why yeah. I made a separate one for this. Mine's rubbish. Uh, Mine's so yeah. Right, that's everything. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. That one's been a bit more fun. Hopefully, if somebody's here learning, getting to learn a bit about sports journalism, as me and Matt have said, it's like it's a case of asking people, and if you don't ask, you don't get. So I'm sure Matt's yeah. the same. But speaking for me, if anybody has any questions, hit me up on the social channels. I'll yeah, try and answer as best I can. Uh, like and subscribe if it's on YouTube if you're watching this on Apple Podcasts or somewhere like that make sure you give it a 5 star rating always try to get it, like, share it, tell your mates if you're going to leave something mean in the comments at least make it funny then I can retweet it and get some likes that way 100% yeah. stay safe, say bye Matt, thank you so much for coming on thank everybody you have much. a nice day we'll see you in the next episode, bye